For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Happy Friday, boys. And a happy Friday. Short work week. Denver Nuggets are ahead in the NBA Finals. That's for real, folks. Michael Porter Jr. early in the game. By the way, Michael Porter Jr., 43 minutes uh, last night. <laughs> How about that? Not shooting the three well, 2 for 11. But again, again, found immaterial. a way to impact immaterial. the game. 14 points. 13 boards to lead the team. Two blocks. Uh, uh, and should have been a third. He, there was another that he did not get credit for that he actually did, uh, Nick. So, I mean, you're talking oh, about uh, a, a a performance there in which was pretty impressive plus stuff. Plus 20. Plus 20, leading the team. Leading the team. Which yep. he has now done multiple times in this playoffs. That's right. the third time he's led the team in rebounds in the playoffs. Only Aaron Gordon, who has done it once in the first round against Minnesota, has been able to surpass Jokic in that yeah. mark. Right. So, uh, now... Porter Jr. has done it three times, and his energy going forward you know, in the early parts of the game was important. His springiness, as you put it, one of the putback dunks was so far oh. been the highlight of the, the the game by far, coming off of a rebound. The, But it, it is the defense that over the course of the playoffs is continuing to show up. Now, he is not Aaron Gordon. You don't put him onto someone and say lock him down. But he has learned to use the length, the size, and his athleticism to disrupt. And that can be part of it, too. After the game, Michael Malone was asked about Michael Porter Jr.'s defense because we're still treating it as if it's some sort of revelation. <laughs> Malone had a very different thought. Yeah, I mean, it's where it needs to be. You know, I mean, I, I think we're, we're past the point of praising Michael when he has a good defensive game. He needs to, as does everybody else in our team. Like, this is the NBA Finals. So, you know, we showed one of those uh, at halftime, Nick, where they ran a pick and roll for Jimmy Butler. Michael tried to get under, stayed in the play, and wound up blocking Jimmy from behind. Uh, so those are the plays that Michael and everybody else needs to play for us to win this series. It can't be, you know, like, uh, hey, look at Michael Porter. He's doing a, a great job. That is his job. And, and it's Jamal's job and Pope's job and Nicola, Aaron, and everybody else that plays for us. And I think oh, what was well interesting said. about that, oh, well yeah, and, and it sounds it sounds a little bit like the tough love that, that Michael Malone's had for Michael Porter Jr. for his whole career, except the very first thing he said when asked about Porter Jr.'s defense, it's where it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. In other and, words, and, I don't need to keep uh, keep patting him on the keep going, keep going. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, he's doing what we want him to do now. And as he We're spoke, not having to ask. He's just doing it. What was he saying? Michael Porter Jr. followed the game plan. Went under the screen. And block and got a block. Follow the game plan. Did what he's supposed to do. And we've heard in the past that, um, what's the euphemism? He was indifferent there you go. to the precepts of defense and following the game heard plan. Heard that about Nikola Jokic for a while, too, didn't we? 
Didn't follow a game plan. Things seemed to come on along. the defensive end of the floor and didn't run back on defense and years ago was thrown out of a practice or two for not running back on defense and saying basically that he didn't have And to those days are, are those over. Those days are gone. And Michael Long Porter gone. Jr., by the way, doesn't even turn 25 until later this month. So you're, you're talking about Deserves a lot of credit. A, a, lo- a lot of personal growth. Malone, I think, deserves credit, too, because at times the, the questions of how maybe he was coaching Porter Jr. Was he the right coach? Uh, you hear the things that Porter Jr. Is, is, is saying now in the course of his career. This has been something that I think for Porter Jr. Now, I was, I was careful with coaching in this, and I realized, you know, we, have, we had Coach George Carlin yesterday. I'm not diminishing the value of coaching. It's obviously immensely important. Most of the credit goes to the player. You can have a coach oh, well, tell you sure. all the right things, sure. and if the player doesn't want to no, do it, the player isn't going to do it. So Porter Jr. deserves the credit. But we've talked about that perhaps Michael Malone is not the best X's and O's coach in the league, and I don't think there's a secret to that. May not be the the best you know in-game management guy in the league, there's a secret to that. Right. But- I, I mean, I my, my complaint with Michael Malone has never been about X's and O's particularly. It's been about deployment of personnel and a certain rigidity and a, a very predictable pattern in substituting, which he has deviated from all, many yes. times in the playoffs. Good They've for changed. him. But, but the, th- that's a change, and he deserves credit. Porter also deserves credit uh, amid some uh, turbulence and difficult uh, situations. in his personal life. Not of his own doing, by the way, but a, a family issue that he had to deal with. Again, not pertaining to him directly. This season, by the way. He deserves credit for that, and he also deserves credit. Um, You know, we we maybe talk more than we should have about a single player who was removed from the Nugget roster after last season, and that player has been Will Barton. But there there was another player who I thought brought uh, a certain negative energy to the proceedings, Uh, although... uh, he wasn't getting into fights with teammates on the sideline and playoff games. <laughs> uh, and that would be Austin rivers. Uh, there was a time in which Austin rivers and Michael Porter jr. Were, were best friends and maybe Porter's closest friend on the team was Austin rivers. And I think that changed maybe a little bit over the course of last year when Michael Porter jr. Wasn't even playing. And we, we will we'll hear about that. And I think that's an interesting component to it, too. And in Malone's case, I want to where those things, two things dovetail together nicely is that what Malone has done and what, what his strength has always been. And you can ask the players about it. He does know how to push the buttons of his players and he handles each of his players differently. He understands that. Michael Porter Jr. will be motivated by different things than Jamal Murray, than Nikola Jokic. He understands that Contavious Caldwell-Pope may need certain things that he needs to speak to that Michael Porter Jr. might not, or Michael Porter Jr. might need more of. Malone has done a very good job of that. And Danny, we talked about this part of the show, Danny Bailey in the booth, and, and you brought up a very, very underrated point, something that Jimmy Butler himself, and prior to that, Kevin Durant brought up about the Never Nuggets. Yeah, I think it's honestly something that both these teams have in common. We've talked about the variety of similarities they share, even though they play a very different style of basketball, they have the continuity. And so Eric Spolstra has been the Heat coach for a long time. Obviously, that whole roster hasn't been intact there for as long as he's been there. But Jimmy Butler has been there for several years now, been to the finals with Eric Spolstra and a bunch of these guys for several years in a row now. The Nuggets 
And Michael Malone, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, and Nikola Jokic, they've been together for so long. They know each other. They've traveled together in the offseason and during the season. They've been through whether it's the personal family issues with Michael Porter Jr., the injury issues with Jamal and MPJ, Nikola Jokic having to deal with all the -the off-the-court conversations. All that stuff has brought them closer together, and Michael Malone just knows these guys better than anybody else can. In this NBA where we've seen coaches who have won championships in recent years get fired, whether it's Nick Nurse or uh, Frank Vogel or Mike Budenholzer. Or guys to get close. We look at like a a Monty Williams who ended up getting handed. I mean, people look at it and say, well, of course you got Kevin Durant. You got Kevin Durant for a handful of games. You had to gut your team to do it. Monty Williams has no opportunity to really get to know Kevin Durant or coach his team. Uh, surprise, it doesn't all come together, and then he gets fired. That, that's a great point, Danny, because the continuity really does matter. There is a trust from the players to the players, the players to the coach, and the coach to the players. We've talked about how Michael Malone at times just lets Nikola Jokic run the huddle, including handing him the the, the, the whiteboard. So th- this is an undervalued part of yeah, the way this team functions, I, I, and, and it really is evidenced in the growth of Porter Jr. I, I agree with all of that. I think Malone has actually relinquished a bit of control during these playoffs, which is unusual because you hear about coaches even admitting that you know they shorten their benches. When you short your bench, you're exercising a little more control over the few people that that do play, and he's kind of gone the other way, which has been refreshing, uh, somewhat surprising to those of us who have uh, watched him over the years. I always had the impression that Michael Malone was much more effective uh, without as much talent, and uh, the great line from last year about Michael Malone was uh, uh, uttered by uh, uh, Matt Miller, right? That uh, he was dealt a bad hand and played it badly, and I, yeah, I thought Matt, that Matt was Moore, yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt Moore, right. Moore. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I thought that was perfect. I thought it was exactly the way you would characterize uh, Michael Malone's coaching last year. But the thing is, now this year he gets Murray and Porter back, but he also gets an infusion of new talent in place of old talent with whom he had become disenchanted. I, I'm, I, I'm just guessing at that. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, generally, certain, if, if you suggest I, I a player should come off the bench and the player says they're a starter in this well, league and won't that, accept that's it, the guy I would I'm be disenchanted about. as well. That, that's the guy I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, there were uh, Austin Rivers made some noises here and there that maybe suggested uh, he thought he should be playing more. And they got rid of that element. And, I mean, Tim Connolly left. I don't know. Maybe it would have happened with Tim Connolly here. Maybe not. I don't know. Despite but the Malone talent of Bones Highland. was here. Bones Highland walks off a, a game before the game's over. He's yeah, gone. I, I know. And they and needed he, him. Had, he had to be gone. At least to he a certain had to be extent, gone. they seemed like they needed well, him. Well, they didn't need that kind of self-absorption. Right. The talent would have been nice, but that the didn't fit in was nice. personality-wise. And, and professionalism-wise. Okay, instead of playing 19 minutes a game, Maybe he should have been playing 21 or 22 minutes, but it wasn't like he was playing five minutes a game and should have been playing 19. I mean, so he becomes 
frustrated, uh, believing, I I guess, on some level that he was indispensable. I happen to like his game. Um, don't have any problems with a guy wanting to play, but an act like that has to have consequences attached to it. He can't play for you anymore once he leaves the bench before a game ends. And in point of fact, he didn't. Now you have players to a man, even those who aren't playing don't complain and didn't during the regular season either. You have a complete sense of selflessness that I have only seen on infrequent occasions throughout the 56-year history of the Nuggets and the 40-plus years that I've been here following them. I, I, I haven't said I haven't seen it uh, ever before, but it's it's been rare. It's been unusual when there was nobody on the team who had any agenda and chose to publicly complain uh, about playing time or some form of dissatisfaction. This team they is are different. That unified. Way. No maintenance. Not just low maintenance, no maintenance. The idea that you brought up that Michael Porter Jr., of course, has dealt with, we know about the injury history, and also at times uh, last year with Jamal Murray being out, the two of them are out together. Jamal Murray was asked about Michael Porter Jr.'s growth as a player, and I think it's some revealing insights after the game. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's done amazing. Um, just have, like playing an all-around game, you know, 12 boards, uh, 14 points with basically you know, only one, one or two threes, um, getting to the rim, playing great defense, pursuing the ball. Like, you know, he's... He's 6'10". He's doing more than just knocking down shots, and uh, that's dangerous. Um, and when he's doing that, you know, yeah, he's helping us a lot, of, uh, just being on the wing. And um, even if he's not shooting well, you know, he's going to keep shooting, and we're going to keep finding him. Murray also spent a little bit of time talking about how the two of them were able to uh, work together when they were out at the same time and, and, and work together by understanding doing the mental work because they couldn't do the physical work. And... Those sort of situations, again, not only do they uh, they build closeness, uh, nobody ever really wants uh, drama or challenges, Chris Mannix aside, but otherwise drama or challenges that are difficult in your life. But the truth is, those are the kind of things that bring people together. And in Porter Jr.'s case, the growth on his part and coming back with this this situation, and Murray shorted him a rebound, by the way, finished by with uh, 13 <laughs> instead of 12 to lead the Nuggets. But this is making the Heat's job so extraordinarily difficult because the, the rule of thumb, Sandy, forever, is you can be a good team if you have two star players. If you want to win a title, you have to have three. I don't know if you can call Porter Jr. or Aaron Gordon truly a star yet. I feel like you certainly can with Jokic and Murray. But both Porter Jr. and Gordon are on the cusp. And the two of them together, maybe they count as one and a half stars. The Nuggets yeah, have enough have, yeah. to get things done here. And oh, if you're sure. the Heat and you're trying to figure out how to defend, if Jokic has 27 and Murray has 26, and Gordon has 16, and Porter has 14, and by the way, Porter's two for 11 shooting is as bad as he shot the three in a game all year. Yeah, but but it, it didn't make any There's difference. There's just too much to cover. But that's, 
a different story than we would have. It told used to be if previously. the three wasn't hitting, he was he was not, useless. Right? He didn't do not anything else. So if he, he wasn't still led the team at the plus twenty ball, tonight, right? last night with two for eleven shooting for three. If he wasn't shooting the three ball, there was no reason to have him on the court. Now there are plenty of reasons to have him on the court, and a, a very astute person I know well who who we text back and forth during games said. I'm just, I don't care about the stats. I'm impressed by his level of activity. That's what he needs to bring every night. And I think he's bringing it that way more often than ever. This is clearly the best basketball he's played as a nugget. Uh, Are there occasions, stretches in which he shot a better percentage from the field? Yes. Um, But I dare anyone to find a stretch where he's played an all-around game the way he's playing it now, and I'll take 14 points and 13 rebounds. Just the same way from Jokic, I'll take 27 points and 14 assists, and it'll have more to do with the Nuggets winning than 43 points and 7 assists. It'll help the Nuggets more because you're involving more players, and his rebounding, he's getting rebounds that – Gordon doesn't have to get, that Jokic doesn't have to get, that Murray doesn't have to get, that KCP doesn't have to get. And, oh, by the way, I'm sure you noticed this, at halftime last night, with the exception of KCP, who was effective in other ways last night Mm -hmm. and didn't really shoot a lot, four starters and double figures at the half last night. Right. That's when you knew that the Nuggets were in great shape and in absolutely no danger of losing this particular game. Game two might be a little different. I think it will be. I think Miami will raise its game. But Denver came out last night and proved any lingering doubts about them to be ill-founded. Porter Jr., when he gets a rebound, by the way, as we've seen a couple times, also becomes um, instant points. As the putback dunks can make that happen as well. So a lot to like about the Nuggets playing right now and a lot to like about their 1-0 lead. We'll have an opportunity to break it down with the 2022 Colorado Sportscaster of the Year from CBS News Colorado, Romy Bean, joins us next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. We'll see if we can uh, grab Romy Bean from CBS Sports in just a little bit. But, uh, Sandy, when you look at this Nuggets game, we were talking about it a little bit uh, during the break as well. The Nuggets understand, and, and they're not discounting Miami. This isn't about discounting Miami. This is about understanding the kind of team you are. The Nuggets understand that they are one of the most efficient offenses in the NBA. They understand that when their starting five are on the floor, they have been the most efficient and effective offense in the NBA. They understand that basically, even when they don't shoot well, like they didn't from three last night, this team will, and I'm oversimplifying, but you get the point. 
this team's going to roll out of bed and still score points. It's not about the offense in many ways. This team will score enough to beat Miami virtually every game. The question is, will they do enough on defense to stop Miami? Last night, I think that answer was pretty thunderous. Well, uh, yes, and, and uh, you know, the fourth quarter, yes, was a little sluggish, and 20 points were scored by the Nuggets after scoring 84 in the first three quarters, and that's a perfectly acceptable pace. Uh, I had the game 112-104, and obviously Miami wasn't going to get anywhere near 100, uh, regardless of whether they scored 30 points in the fourth quarter or not. But I thought the defense, the game plan defensively, uh, was beautifully crafted and executed and coach and players share in equal measure the credit for that having unfolded the way it did. And if Miami can't get to 100 points, Miami can't win. And, and that's, a you know, 25 points a quarter. I think that's fair. Uh, it, it, that's, that's good defense, and that's winning defense. And, you know, hold them under 40 points in the paint. Limit them to two free throws. Now that won't happen again. I'm now, pretty sure of that because you know what, and I'm not saying the game will be called differently uh, on on Sunday than it was called last night. But there's a reason. There's never been a playoff game in history in which a team only shot two free throws. So the, so it won't happen again. So. But but of course, yeah, we we've you know some of the national discourse about it today. Uh, obviously, everyone has to find some sort of uh, take because you know regular reporting, I guess, is boring. But the idea is, does Miami have any sort of uh, a beef here that they got a bad whistle or anything to the extent? They had, because when it was two, the funny thing is, to a man. Not Spolstra, not Butler. Nobody brought it up. Well, in fact, Jimmy Butler, we, we heard it earlier in the show, said specifically, we took too many jump shots, settled for too many jump shots because they looked like the right play at the time. The guy who shot the free throws was the most surprised guy in the room when he was informed that he had taken the only free throws yeah, he didn't of the even night. Notice. He had no idea. No idea. And... and that that impresses me about Miami in a certain sense uh, that, you know, that this guy was focusing on other things rather than counting free throw attempts that his team had or right. didn't have. Right, right. That impresses me, and that was one of the reasons that I thought Highsmith was, at worst, their third best player last night. And I, I, I actually thought that it went out of bio, Highsmith, Lowry, and then maybe Vincent. One one through four. But I, I would maybe, I definitely put Highsmith in, in no worse than third uh, on the list of guys who played well uh, last night. And he was only a minus three across 23 minutes. Uh, he scored 18 points, had a couple of steals, uh, a couple of rebounds, a block shot, only one turnover in 23 minutes. Uh I thought he was effective early in the game, too. Uh, showed good hands and receiving some passes. And Miami actually passed pretty well last night. 26 assists, 8 turnovers. Yeah, Their ball handling was not the problem. Well, remember, against Boston, really throughout the whole playoffs, this has been a team that, that uh, much like the Nuggets, they do take care of the ball. They do. 
And that obviously is a is a big part of the way this series is going to go because you can't really count on the other team, either side, to make a series of massive mistakes with the ball. They're, they're pretty good in those regards. So in that case, it's it is interesting because you're right, that can get better. And yeah. the shots can get better. Oh yeah. Joining us now to to break some of this down, of course, uh, from CBS News Colorado is our friend Romy Bean. You can follow her on Twitter, Romy underscore Bean or uh, the other socials, Instagram, TikTok, just Romy Bean, R-O-M-I Bean. And Romy, uh, obviously appreciate the, the time here. It's been obviously a busy week for you and busy week for everyone in the, in the media here, but it's been a fun week too. The play by the Denver Nuggets in the first ever NBA Finals game held in Denver, they were essentially, there was no risk of the Nuggets losing this game after about 90 seconds. Did that surprise you? Uh, well, uh, of a couple of things. First of all, the Nuggets have been fantastic in every game one of this postseason. Um, and what they've done has been a similar thing where they've come out with extreme pace. And there is this altitude elevation argument where people are saying, is it real? Is it not? Uh, but they, they push the pace. They push the pace early. Michael Malone said he's even talked to guys like Dan Issel. He said, do it early. Run it out at the gym early. And you see him kind of roll up the scoreboard early so I felt like we were going to see a similar thing and we did and you knew this heat team even though they came in full confidence these guys were running on fumes I mean they played in Boston on Monday they said they said we'll play on Everest but like we know and the Nuggets know and they've been so great this year about playing their game you know that really fast pace running the ball and they made the most of it and I expected it I think what I didn't expect guys was that I mean, it was easy for the Nuggets. It was, it was, that was an easy, easy win for them. Um, and they made it a little bit close. That wasn't concerning for me at all. The crazy thing is the Nuggets didn't even shoot that well. They it by no means played their best game. They were definitely a little They're going to play better. That's, I think, what's wild about this. Give us a sense, if you could, of the, atmosphere last night uh i was having lunch today with some friends and it, it and they live all over town uh various communities including uh, denver but it, it strikes me that not just the city but the entire community is electrified by what's going on that's all people wanted to talk about today and that they're all good sports fans and pretty faithful Nugget fans, but it's all they wanted to talk about. Jokic and uh, the the way the team played last night and the remarkable idea that the most impactful player on the floor took one shot in the first quarter, three shots by halftime, and five shots by the end of the third quarter when the Nuggets had a lead of more than 20 points. Nikola Jokic was the most impactful player on the floor, taking five shots in the first three quarters. That's why people like Barkley now are saying Nikola Jokic might well be the greatest basketball player who ever lived. I mean, that's the crazy and the best part about Nikola Jokic is he can impact the game in so many ways. And he, we know this, right? He doesn't care He's happy to not score a single point, but the way he facilitates the game and the way he absolutely dissects every defense thrown his way 
and he burns you, and he burns you over and over again. It's like Mahomes and the Broncos. He's always going to burn you um, because he, he, his basketball IQ is just through the roof, and that is what makes the Nuggets so good and makes Nikola Jokic impossible to guard because if you're going to double him, he's always going to facilitate. There's always guys that are going to be open, and that's going to give a lane for Aaron Gordon to cut. Then there's going to be guys open on the outside to take threes. I mean, there's so much talent, and it's Jokic who facilitates all this. It's really it's incredible to watch the way that even when he's not scoring, even when he has you know, four points quarter but he is so much of that game and what's going on and it's just it's, it's incredible when they you know it, it's a marvel guys I watch it every night we watch it and you still just can't get over how incredible of a basketball player and a basketball mind this guy is it is truly unbelievable and it makes truly you know like they say an MVP should make everyone around them better he does he makes everyone around them better this offense is just unstoppable because he's a bit. And it is so cool to watch. It's one of those things that I often say, and I think a lot of people say, right, guys, don't take this for granted because it won't last forever. We don't know how long he's going to play ball for. He told us that his life. Uh, we have to enjoy it because it is truly sensational. It is, art. it is poetry in motion. It's just unbelievable to watch what he does. But somehow, by the end of the night, he just, puts up the most casual triple-doubles of all time. Like, this happens. We see it all season. But yet again, just the most casual triple-double. That, I think, is something that fascinates me more than anything. It's like, oh, there it is. Another triple-double in the playoffs. And then usually goes to the uh, post-game press conference and talks about how his teammates were better than he was that night. So, I mean, you're talking about a really unique talent. But now that we're talking about a game two on Sunday, uh, it may not be must-win for the Heat, but, of course, if they do not win, they'd have to win four of the next five. That looks like a tall task. I expect to see the Heat's best game, but the question would be, what would that look like based on what we saw in game one? Yeah, I mean, I think... <laughs> I think if you're the Heat, you are desperately trying to steal one, especially because you just saw this Nuggets team sweep the Lakers. You are desperately trying to get something in game two. But I think the biggest thing in this series is there's absolute mismatch with size. They have no answer for Aaron Gordon and also for Michael Porter Jr. We saw Michael Porter Jr., especially defensively, making some great blocks. But the size mismatch is just huge. I don't know how... Miami answers that. I don't really think they have an answer for that. One X factor that's going to be interesting, Tyler Hero is supposed to come back, right? Does that change things? Does that add a new wrinkle? It certainly could, and that could be something where that could certainly help them out. And, and also, you know, their guys there who were shooting lights out in previous series, they were off, man. They were ice cold. So you expect them not to shoot as poorly as they did. But when it comes to guarding the Nuggets, it just feels like this is – Every mismatch advantage goes to Denver. Um, and I truly don't know how Miami, whatever zone defense they're going to run, whatever it is, overcomes uh, the, the advantages that the Nuggets have. For me, there's no way to, to see around it. You know, maybe they get a game or two in this series because you got enough respect, obviously, for Eric Spolster and Jimmy Butler to think they could pull something out. But, I mean, it was funny. I was talking to my mom today, and she's like, so what are you thinking, like 99% chance the Nuggets win? I was like, no, it's 100%. I can't tell you how many games, but it's 100%. I don't see any way that the Heat can pull off four wins. I don't see how they could pull off more than two. I, I have to be consistent in this because I was uh, tough on 
uh, some people earlier in the program uh, today. I agree with the conclusion that the Nuggets will win this series. And I agree with your point that there's not really a whole lot Miami can do unless they plan on growing a collective uh, one inch or two inches per player between games one and two. I tried that when I was a kid. You can't do it. it, It's very tough. You can try the stretching mechanisms, but it really doesn't Doesn't uh, tend to work that well. However, and and I think Jokic uh, more than anyone was aware of this after the game, this team is different. The Timberwolves reached a point in the series where they quit. They knew they couldn't win. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Suns, same thing. Uh, Realized they couldn't win, uh, basically quit, and that the owner noticed and said, you know, I, I saw my team quit. I got to fire the coach. I don't think it was a great move, but that, that was his decision. And then the Lakers, I think apart from LeBron uh, and, and maybe Austin Reeves uh, and, and uh, Hochimura, I, I thought they quit too. This team won't quit. They showed that in the fourth quarter. They're too competitive. Against any of the three previous opponents, a 24-point late third-quarter lead would have turned into a 30- to 35-point route, not against these guys. Not against these guys. So to count them out completely after one game, I think, is uh, maybe a bit premature. You know what? I think you're absolutely right. I think that people were saying, bring out the brooms, you know, all that stuff. I think that this Heat team, I mean, look, they have proven. They've shown a propensity to beat anyone in their way. They beat the Bucks and the Celtics, who both had better regular season records than the Nuggets. Found ways to wear teams down and, and make life really tough on them, and they are just gritty, and they are resilient. Um, what I would say with that, too, though, is, is the Nuggets have such a similar makeup. I think these are the two. There's a reason why these are the last two teams standing, and it comes down to – it's, it's beyond the X's and O's. It's the intangibles. These teams both have a championship makeup and what it takes to win a championship and that grit and that resiliency and that level-headedness, all of that. And so for those reasons, uh, beyond just what happens on the court, you can't count them out. They are true competitors. I think Eric Spolster is one of the best coaches in the league. He is going to come up with some stuff. He is not just going to come out with the same game plan that did not work in game one. But I think at the end of the day, the Nuggets are the better team. This is their championship to lose. They are the better team. They're the more talented team. Um, and when it comes down to that that grit and the resiliency, the Nuggets aren't going to quit either. This could be a fight to the finish. Who knows? Maybe it is seven games. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the Nuggets just are the more complete team. And when it comes down to it, you've got the best player on the planet. And if it comes down to one guy having to take over and win this series – and Nikola Jokic can do that over Jimmy Butler. Uh, there's no question about that. We've seen it, and I think uh, Butler and the Heat know it, too. She is Romy Bean. Make sure you give her a follow, as I pointed out on Twitter, at Romy underscore Bean, Romy Bean everywhere else, social and uh, primarily CBS News Colorado, where she's the lead sports anchor. Always great to have an opportunity to talk to you, Romy. Appreciate it. Enjoy the, uh, the brief weekend. Of course, we all ride back at it Sunday for Game 2. We will. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks so much, Romy Bean, uh, everybody, and the... Uh, nuggets do understand, and and you know what? The funny thing is, we've we've gone this whole show. There's been plenty to talk about. We really haven't had a chance to talk about the other guy that has a playoff nickname. That'd be Jamal Murray. Well, Nikola Jokic has some things to say about him, and then uh, 
the second half of the Nuggets dynamic two-man operation did more than his share of work too we'll hear more in Miley Sports next This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. I mean, he was he had a couple of mid-range shots. He was. I think he's supposed to make that. Uh, he's shooting the ball really well, and um, we all want him to shoot that, that kind of shots. Uh, he's really good at mid-range. He's really good at threes too. Uh, but I mean, as long as he's, I think he's playing the whole playoff. He's playing really well and and and, and uh, creating for himself and for his teammates. Really nice, really nice looks. Nikola Jokic was speaking about Jamal Murray and the fact that Jamal Murray and, and Nikola Jokic last night, if you watched the broadcast, you saw it, that the pair combined, obviously, for uh, some pretty big numbers, also uh, ended up being involved in more than 90 of the Nuggets' points, either scoring or assisting <laughs> yeah, them. Absolutely. So, I mean, some crazy numbers we, there. We, we have to mention this, though. Uh, the third pair in NBA history to have scored a pair of teammates, mm-hmm. to score 20 points, 10 assists, in a finals game, Jordan and Pippen did it. Magic and Worthy did Good it. Good company. Fluent, beautiful basketball, as Murray described it after the game. And I, that's certainly the kind of offense I saw last night. And you made the point that if you want to go up to 25, 25 points 10. and 10 assists, you cut out even Jordan, Jordan and Pippen, Pippen. And you're left with Magic Worthy and Jokic Murray. That's it. I mean, just remarkable performances here. And, and that they're... Their synergy as teammates, again, the, the continuity that uh, Danny and the booth referred to earlier in the program, so important with these two guys. But I, I think Jokic rightly brought up Murray's ability to pass. Uh, Jokic, of course, was sparkling, 14 assists to two turnovers. I mean, almost comical. <laughs> uh, making Murray's unfortunate three-and-a-half-to-one uh, ratio of 10-to-three to three, uh, look pedestrian, yeah. not seven-to-one. But, I mean, in the end... 25, they went, they were compared basically five to one, 24 assists to five turnovers while scoring 53 points on efficient shooting. Together, the two were 19 for 34. Sure. And that's with Murray, like Porter Jr., having a bad game for three, only two for seven. Yes, two for seven. And Porter, you said, was two for 11. Two for 11. So between them, four for 18. And the Nuggets still had a 24-point lead in the final minute of the third quarter. <laughs> and, and and Porter Jr. and Murray were a combined plus 29 yes. for the yes, game. That's right. I mean, uh, the, the performance well, they, there they has been remarkable. an all-around game last night. They played at both ends of the floor. Um, you know, again, I, I, I didn't see any matchups defensively that would concern me and that's if, interesting. if now, they were maintained through the rest of the He had a bad series. game, but one of the things that you pointed out uh, yesterday is you were somewhat wondering what, what the Nuggets were going to do with Caleb Martin. Yeah. Now, Martin, of course, it was atrocious, one for seven. Yeah. I only yeah. got 25 he, he minutes was, as he was Eric Spolster had no choice either to, to he, yank him. But, right. but what did you, what'd you see on that? And uh, with, Well, with, Porter, uh, Porter won that matchup, and I, I made the point with Bruce this morning that 
it was the matchup that going into the series, I thought was the one that might worry me a little bit uh, because, you know, Porter isn't always the most active defender and this guy's been on a hot streak and Porter won the matchup at both ends. Uh, I know he only scored 14, but he clearly won that matchup. And I'm like, okay, where, where is Miami going to get? Porter all but changed Martin out of the game. always done a good job on Butler. Uh, Jokic will outplay anybody in the world, including Adebayo, even on Adebayo's best night. And last night was Uh, about as good as he gets. Damn close to his best night. And uh, Murray uh, and KCP versus Vincent Struess. Are you kidding me? And, uh, you know, maybe off the bench, they, they need to find something. Maybe they found or someone. Maybe that guy is Highsmith, and Lowry's a competitive guy who, even though he's 37, uh, can give you, uh, as he did last night, 26 pretty productive minutes. He was the, uh, he was the only plus yeah. player on the Miami that Heat last night. I thought he was their third best player overall behind Adebayo. Yeah, I might have to revise my statement about Highsmith being their third best player because yeah. Adebayo and Vincent and Lowry might have been but, a little more impactful, uh, largely because they played more, but... Uh, you know, they, they had those four guys going, but in an NBA Finals game, playing on the road, you're playing eight guys, you only have four really going well and four going quite badly, then I would say uh, you you aren't going to have a shot. All I've said, I, I, my belief that the Nuggets will win this series was certainly not shaken by anything I saw uh, last night. Can't imagine. But we have consistently said in this series that, Miami's best chance to win in Denver, which they have to do to win the series, it's Sunday. Is Sunday in game two. Yes. Because they'll have the extra day of rest. I think they need it. Uh Butler looks more worn down every time I look at him. The last four games, Butler has shot twenty eight of seventy three from the field for thirty eight percent. That won't get it done for nope. Miami. Nope, against a guy that's defended him better than anyone in the league. And we'll talk about it after game two if Tyler Hero was going to come back for three. But I'm, I'm not newly negating the game that Highsmith played because it was actually very impressive. But a lot of it was when the game was decided. And the truth is, if Hero comes back, who are you going to go away from? They're not going to go away from Robinson. They're not going to go away from Lowry. They're not going to go nine deep. Uh, I, I don't know. Struce has it, one more game like that, Struce then maybe things so change. Bad. But, and uh, Struess doesn't defend. And I know Harrow isn't known for his defense either, but he's a 20-point uh, He's not going to go 0 for 10 from the field, put it that Probably way. Probably not. Well, do want to touch on this because, as we pointed out, the Nuggets understand they'll score. It's the defense that may make the difference. Jamal Murray, after the game, had an opportunity to talk about how that defense for the Nuggets work. And we wanted to leave you with that before we ended up calling it a day. Good job defensively, just flying around, being on the string. Uh, not just tonight, but all playoffs, all season. Um, you know, you can't be the number one seed with just offense. You know, that's hard to do. So, Yoke has great hands down there. KCP is aggressive. Bruce is one of the best defenders. Um, AG's one of the best defenders. Um, so, we got a lot of guys. You know, CB's, like, we don't think he's a rookie. You know, so we got a lot of guys that can come in and uh, impact the game on defense and um, do a lot better than you think. And, and the thing about that statement I like is that he talks of connectiveness on defense being Everyone's as important as offense and everybody's on a string. And you normally think of that kind of terminology in association with offense 
and you think, okay, people with different skills who complement one another, that's the kind of offense you want to build. It's just as important on defense. And he outlined it right there. Jokic has the hands. KCB is able to pressure. And they all bring something. Porter has a shot-blocking skill that I think has gone largely unrealized until the last few weeks when we're starting to see it show up two or three times a game uh, during playoff games. Uh, but but they and, 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 and the muscularity uh, and strength, raw strength, and, and the ability to apply it of Gordon, I mean, it, it, it's, it all fits together. So they are a complementary defensive team and not just a complementary offensive team. And this is a team that Denver Nuggets, uh, it's very funny, for most of their history, considered maybe a finesse team, right? Uh, playing at altitude, a finesse What did Jimmy Butler team. say first? They were more physical. They were more physical. And they established that early. They were the bigger team, and they took full advantage of it. The Nuggets looked like the big bad boys on the block in game one. We will see if it continues in game two. Thanks to him so much for Romy Bean for joining us. Uh, Danny Bailey in the booth making everything look and sound good. Always appreciate everything Danny chips in, especially the point about continuity as well. A very important one when looking at this Nuggets team. We will be back on Monday immediately after the conclusion of Game 2, which will be Sunday. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Have a safe and fun one. If you want to get to Sunday night and see Game 2 with the Nuggets, if they can continue their tremendous playoff run. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Thanks for listening to Mile High Sports. Somewhere